Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. The truest, most beautiful life never promises to be an easy one. We need to let go of the lie that it's supposed to be. Glennon Doyle, Untamed. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm recapping all the books I read in March. I hope you guys are doing okay. I don't know what the world will look like by the time this episode goes up, but We are so grateful at the bookshelf for the support we have received over the past couple of weeks. These are certainly scary times to own a small business and to run a small business, but thanks to both the purchases and the online support, but also just the virtual encouragement, we are feeling so hopeful for the future and for what life might look like when it finally maybe returns to some some version of normal in a few weeks uh, or in a few months. Um, We are just feeling really grateful. It is, as I said, kind of a scary time to own a small business, but the support we have received is overwhelming and unbelievable and is really giving us hope for our future. So thank you guys so much for every DM, every repost, every purchase. It truly does mean the world to me, to the bookshelf staff, and we are feeling I think like a lot of you, um, overwhelmed and unsure, but also so grateful and so hopeful. So thank you so much. I did read a lot of books in March. I don't know if it's because there was no basketball on the TV or because I pretty much was existing at the bookshelf and then at my house and nowhere else. So plenty of reading was able to get done and a pretty wide range of reading. I feel like I read stuff from almost every genre. So let's dive in. The first book that I finished in March was Most Likely by Sarah Watson. This is by far one of the most ordered books uh, during this kind of odd quarantine season. I posted my review of this book on Instagram a few weeks ago, but if you are not familiar... Sarah Watson is the creator and I think original showrunner and writer of The Bold Type, which is a show that I believe is on Freeform, but you can catch up on Hulu. It is definitely uh, PG-13, real hard PG-13, so just putting that out there. But if you like shows like Younger, then I think The Bold Type certainly falls in that category. I personally really enjoy The Bold Type. It's a fun show to binge. I typically watch it in the summer. And so when I saw that she was coming out with a book, her first book, The Bold Type was not a book first, I thought, oh, this would be fun to try. And then when I read the premise, I was very hooked. So it's about four young women. They are seniors in high school in 2019, 2020. And then the book begins in 2049. So the book starts in 2049 with the inauguration of our first female president. Let's all take a moment of silence to grieve the year 2049 as our first female president. 
Okay. And then the book flashes back. So we start in 2049. We see the first woman president being inaugurated. We get a few hints as to who she is. And then we flash back to 2019, 2020 to these four girls who are in high school. They're graduating. And basically the reader gets to kind of guess and figure out which one of these girls becomes the first uh, woman president. And I thought this book was so fun, so charming. I immediately loaned it to a friend and she finished it in like a day. This is very bingeable. Just like the bold type is a bingeable show. Most likely is a very bingeable book. Perfect for reading right now. Perfect for quarantine reading, but I loaned it to a friend and she immediately texted me and talked about how much she loved it. And also something I think I realized, but I really appreciated my friend articulating it. This is definitely a PG rated young adult book. And Olivia and I were talking earlier last week about there, there aren't always a lot of those. A young adult crosses over so much into quote, new adult or plain old adult (laughs) fiction that it can be Um, easy for it to become PG-13 or more, (laughs) and most likely is totally a book that you and your daughter could read. I loved it. I found it to be fun and original and thoughtful. The characters, it did take me some time to kind of, they're so unique and so um, each is their own person, almost like the Babysitter's Club or something, but it did take me a minute to kind of figure out who's who. But other than that, totally enjoyable fun, bingeable book. And I had a blast. I think part of the bingeableness, <laughs> the bingeable quality of this book is that you are as the reader the whole time trying to pick up clues to figure out who the first woman president is. So it's not obviously at all really a suspense novel. And yet there is this sense of, well, wait, who is it? And that keeps you kind of propulsively moving throughout the book. I adored this, thought it was very fun. I think it'd be perfect for reading right now. It's called Most Likely by Sarah Watson. Also very fun for an election year. Next up, maybe in a similar vein, was the book Our Stop by Laura Jane Williams. I started following Laura Jane on Instagram, I don't know how long ago. I don't know why. I have no idea why I'm following her in true internet problems. I I don't know what brought me to her originally, but I saw that she released this romantic comedy last year, but it was published in Great Britain. So it was published in the UK. It was not published in America yet. And then I pre-ordered it for myself because I thought it looked adorable. Basically, It's about this young man and this young woman, and he takes out like a missed connections ad, which if you're not familiar or if if you're not sure, it's almost like a wanted, uh, not even wanted ad, but like (laughs) I think of one of my favorite, uh, we're going to talk about Yacht Rock later, but one of my favorite Yacht Rock songs is the Pina Colada song. Uh, and so (laughs) basically this guy takes out an ad because he keeps seeing the same woman on the London tube. And they frequently get off at the same stop. And he puts out an ad wanting to meet her. And in true rom-com style, there's a lot of missed connections. There's a lot of moments where these two people should meet, but they don't. Um, So if rom-com tropes bother you, then you can skip this one. But if you eat them up with a spoon, then this is very fun. I would compare it to Flat Share meets Carrie Winfrey. And we're going to talk a little bit about Carrie Winfrey later because I was able to read her new one this month. But I thought our stop was utterly delightful. It took me a couple of chapters to get into it. I'm not sure why, except I don't know if you guys are like this, but for all that's being said about being holed up at home and, you know, 
quarantine reading and your TBR stacks finally getting to be worked through, it's actually been a little hard for me to focus. And I don't know if that's true of everybody, but, um, I have had some trouble with that. And so our stop took me a couple of chapters to get into, but once I was in it and once I fell in love with the characters, I really liked it. It's definitely a grown up book. This is not young adult. It is very comparable to flat share, very British. Uh, I even recommended it to my friend Tish, who is leading another, hopefully leading another literary London tour later this year and told her, I thought it would be fun to read if you're prepping for a trip to London, because it very much is set in that city and is a love story to that city as well. So the book is our stop. It has been released in the U S it is available both on our website and on all your bookish websites for purchasing. It is by Laura Jane Williams. And I really liked it. Very fun. Next up is the book Weather by Jenny Offal or Ophel. I'm never quite sure how to pronounce her name. You might recognize her from the book Department of Speculation, which I read and really liked. I read that book based on the recommendation of Shauna Nequist. Shauna is an author who has great tastes in books, and I would not have picked up Department of Speculation were it not for her recommendation. Weather is very much in the same writing style. So what I find interesting about Jenny Awful, and I've said this before, is that she like writes just weird enough for me. I am not someone who particularly enjoys a ton of speculative fiction. I tend to be pretty traditional when it comes to book format. I appreciate the originality that can go into, for example, the book that came out last year called, oh, I think it was called Ducks of Newburyport or something like that, but where the whole book was written in one sentence. That kind of stuff is not for me personally. That does not mean it might not be for you. Um, But I don't always love kind of these, I don't know, different tricks that people play with literature. Like I appreciate it, but it's not always for me as a reader. That being said, I think Jenny Awful does a really good job of making something that is both literary, but also um, appealing perhaps to a more commercial audience. Um, so Department of Speculation and Weather both fit in that category. Weather was a book I truly did. I finished it in one sitting, partly again because of the format. Basically, it's this young woman who is working as a librarian and at a university, and she takes on another job um, basically responding to podcast questions or listener questions uh, for an end-of-the-world or post-apocalyptic kind of podcast. So very timely. Here's the thing. This book has nothing to do with that plot. Like (laughs) what I just told you, this book has nothing to do with that. So These are definitely character-driven books rather than plot-driven. I wouldn't even really describe them as character-driven so much as they are a testament to our time. So I found Weather to be very much a 2020 book. Jenny is tackling a lot of the issues that I think we as readers maybe are aware of or we as people are struggling through. There is probably not a more timely book to be reading during the coronavirus uh, epidemic, pandemic. She writes really beautifully about climate change, the fear of what might come next. And yet, I want to be clear, I did not read this book and end with a sense of dread, nor did I read it and become more anxious. And I want to be clear about that because I do think there are a lot of books right now that would make me anxious. (laughs) Um, But weather is not one of them. Instead, I found it to be really lovely, really beautifully written. She is extremely talented. She's an extremely talented writer. And this touches on all of the things that maybe we are currently struggling with in our day and age. And yet it also is a reflection on what we have always struggled with as a human race. So part of 
of the reason I'm not really describing to you what the book is about is because I'm not really sure it's about much. I mean, yes, you know that this young woman works for a library and you understand that she is sometimes responding to people's letters and she's getting letters to this podcast that she was a listener of, I think, to begin with, and now she's working for the host of it. But again, that's not really what this book is about. It's told in snippets and sentences. Again, not maybe your traditional chapter by chapter format. Utterly compulsively readable. I did not put it down. I started it and did not put it down until I was all the way finished. I really liked it. Very different from our stop. Very different from most likely, but very digestible. And I think is going to be a book that you could read right now. And it, I do not believe it would give you anxiety. I do not believe it would make you more worried than you already are. Instead, I think it might make you reflective and thoughtful. And I love books like that. So I really liked Weather by Jenny Ophel. Next up, I guess I was kind of heavy, actually. <laughs> I felt like I read a wide range of genres this month, but now I'm looking through it and I'm like, okay, this was heavy on the light lit. <laughs> and that makes sense to me because of the season in which we are all living our very real day-to-day -day lives. The next book I read was Joe and Laurie by Margaret Stahl and, and Melissa De La Cruz. So they co-wrote this book together. It does not come out until June 2nd. Let me be clear. A few months ago, I read and reviewed the book Meg and Joe, which I thought was fine. I don't think you will hate it, but it also depends on what kind of little women purist you are. Meg and Joe is a modern retelling. The author, Virginia Cantra, I believe is her name, is coming out with the book Beth and Amy later this year. I may read that one. I'm not quite sure. Meg and Joe is fine. Uh, it's a modern retelling. So if you'll recall, we've talked about it before on the podcast. Joe is a food blogger. Meg is a stay-at-home mom. My book club read it earlier this year in light of the Little Women movie coming out. And our book club was very meh about Meg and Joe. Instead, we spent most of our book club talking about where we think Meg and Joe would be <laughs> now in, in the year 2020. Where would we, where would, do we think we would find them? I thought that book was fine. You might too. I loved Joe and Lori. So if you're going to pick one of those, I thought for the little women purists, now look, some people are going to be so pure little women that they will not be able to abide by this. And I understand it. This book then is not for you. The title obviously suggests that Joe and Lori perhaps finally maybe end, end up together. I will not spoil this for you, but I think the title does let you know where this book is going. I think if you are a little women fan, I think these two authors, Margaret Stoll and Melissa De La Cruz, have done a very good job of really clearly admiring Louisa May Alcott and her work and also really having fun with these characters. I think part of the reason I liked this book was it is set in the 1800s. It is not set in 2020. And so I immediately felt like truly, guys, I this book came in as an ARC. I think I screamed and I looked at Olivia and I was like, do you want to read this? And she, she said, no, absolutely not. You can take that with you. I brought it home on a Friday night, ate like a takeout salad and did not move from my chair until I was done. I laughed out loud. I cried. I felt eight years old all over again. And that is not an exaggeration. I literally finished and thought, oh my gosh, I think I feel like eight-year-old Annie felt when she read Little Women for the first time. I think these two authors have done such a good job of paying tribute to a book so many of us love, um, but also paying homage to those of us who were eight-year-old girls and who just in their heart of hearts wanted Joe and Lori. And look, we have talked 
on and on again about where Louisa May Alcott's characters wound up and why they wound up there. And I think she had her reasons, her financial reasons. I also think as an adult, those reasons make a lot more sense to me now. But if you just want to make your 8, 12, 16-year-old heart happy, I think you should read Joe and Lori. Here's what's very clever about it, and then I'll move on. I'll stop gushing. But basically, it's set in the 1800s. Joe March is the writer of Little Women. She has published the first half of her book, but she has not published the second half because she does not know where she wants her sisters to wind up. I thought it was so clever, so inventive, true. I I think I said this on my Instagram account, like the best kind of fan fiction, because that's what this is. (laughs) This is fan fiction for little women. Um, I just thought it was a blast. Uh, Very clever. The writing's fun. The storytelling is great. Joe and Lori by Margaret Stoll and Melissa De La Cruz. Can't wait to hear what you guys think. Again, Little Women Purists, this one may not be for you, but I do think it'll be more for you than maybe Meg and Joe was. Just utterly delightful. Okay, next is the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle. You may have seen me read a portion of this book. I read my favorite chapter in Comfort in the Time of Corona, (laughs) a new um, Instagram story series we're doing every so often where I'm reading aloud some comforting book passages. I read aloud my favorite chapter from this book. I like Glennon Doyle. I have read everything she's written. I read Carry On Warrior years ago. Then I read Love Warrior. And now I have read Untamed. I wasn't sure if I was going to read this one just because I wasn't sure if she had more to say. She's obviously experienced a lot. If you follow her, she she kind of began as maybe, maybe a mommy blogger, maybe even a faith blogger. Um, she is now the kind of a philanthropist who runs Together, I believe it's called Together Rising. Um, she is married to Abby Wambach, the U.S. soccer player. So anyway, she has had a lot of life changes in the last few years. I was curious about this one, but wasn't going to read it only because I've read her others and wasn't quite sure what else she might have to say, um, because this will be, I guess, really her third memoir in a few years. But obviously she's experienced a lot of change and upheaval in her own life and maybe even grounding in her own life. And so I decided to try it after a customer said how much they were enjoying it. So I picked it up. And sure enough, again, this was one of those books that I read in a couple of days time. I think that's what's really key for me right now um, is to be reading books that I can finish quickly or books that I can maybe binge because if it's not going to hold my attention, I'm not sure I can read it right now. So Untamed is definitely, um, I think one of my customers described it as disjointed. I don't know that it's disjointed. It definitely feels that way, but don't worry, Glennon has a point. So you'll read a chapter and you'll wonder where she is going. And then she sure enough does tie it up a couple of chapters later. The chapters are very short, which makes this lend itself very much to easy reading. I thought so much of what she had to say was really beautifully done. I think she's a very gifted writer. I love books that make me think. Not everything Glennon says do I agree with, but I find myself asking questions and making notes and marking pages. You should see my copy. Uh, Our friend Hunter would be mortified. There are so many ripped pages and bent edges because I really loved, uh, loved on this book. Um, and I think that's how her books are meant to be treated to some extent. I think she wants you to kind of interact with it. And so I thoroughly enjoyed it. The prologue, I almost said epilogue, the prologue to the book, I think really sets the tone. Um, she opens with this really great story about how she's at the zoo with her kids and there's this tiger and the tiger, it has been basically trained and tamed, uh, uh, by a golden retriever. 
or a Labrador or something like that. And then at one point, the tiger gets let loose in a bigger, uh, bigger cage or bigger area in, in the zoo. And her children look at Glennon and kind of tug on her shirt and say, you know, mom, I think she's wild again. And Glennon has this great line. Her, oh, she's so good with one liner. She says something about how we are tigers waiting to be untamed. It's very self-help, personal growth, Brene Brown, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, definitely in that vein. So if that is of interest to you, I think you would really like this book. I thoroughly enjoyed it, appreciated it. My favorite chapter was a chapter on Paris and the Mona Lisa. But so much of this book, I think I will find myself returning to again and again. I I really like the way Glennon writes, and I find her to be really personable and interesting and fascinating. And um, yeah, I think you might too. So Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Next up is A Good Marriage by Kimberly McCrate. I loved her first book, um, Reconstructing Amelia. It came out a few years ago, and I read it as a new bookseller at the bookshelf in Midtown, uh, Midtown Tallahassee. So that'll tell you how long ago I read, <laughs> I read that book, um, but I really liked it. And so I could not wait when I saw A Good Marriage. This is one of the arcs I grabbed at Winter Institute. This is a departure in the sense that Re- Reconstructing Amelia was almost had a campus vibe to it. Very much a thriller suspense. A Good Marriage is also a thriller suspense, but this one is much more in the domestic category. Basically, a man has been accused of murdering his wife, and he hires his former law school buddy, his former law school colleague, uh, to represent him. Kimberly McCrae was a lawyer or at least went to law school at Penn, and so I think she writes about the legal system and lawyering really well and very realistically. I thought this, remember the holdout from a couple months ago? The holdout left me wanting. It was not terrible. It was a good book. I think A Good Marriage is even better and still has some of those themes, maybe less about a jury trial and more just about the work that goes into leading up to a trial and maybe trying to even prevent a trial from happening. You get a lot of great legal info. Um, If that is of interest to you, it very much is of me. And I just found myself trying desperately to figure out this book took a lot of twists and turns. That's not a spoiler. That's just the facts. Like as you're reading, a lot of different things happen. And I kind of felt like on the one hand, it was almost like an episode of Mindhunter. And on the other, it was like a John Grisham book. I really liked this one. It might've just been where I am right now. But again, this is a book I finished in a day. That is where clearly that is what I was gravitating towards in March. And perhaps you are too. This book does not come out until this summer. So you will have to pre-order it. But I think if you are a thriller or suspense fan, you will really enjoy this one, whether or not you read Reconstructing Amelia. Uh, This is called A Good Marriage by Kimberly McCrate. It is set in upper class, upper middle class Brooklyn. Uh, The setting is very rich and interesting. Somewhat, I mean, it is not the same in terms of writing style, but there's somewhat of a Fates and Furies vibe to this just because you can't quite figure out who to trust. If you if you are one of my friends who does not like unreliable narrators, then you can just skip this one because there are lots of different, um, not necessarily narrators, but lots of different characters in this book and you can't quite figure out who to trust. I love that. I thought it was great. Perhaps you will too, especially if you like, oh, 
I'm thinking Gone Girl, Girl on the Train. Um, I have kind of given up those in the last couple years, but turns out I really wanted one right now and a good marriage fit the bill. Next up is The Silent Treatment by Abby Greaves. Look, I previewed The Silent Treatment. Actually, you've already heard me talk about it on my episode I did with Robbie Hopkins, um, where he came up with some songs for different new new spring releases. The Silent Treat- Treatment was one of those releases. I, gosh, I'm so glad I read this. And I think it was great. I want to be clear about that. I really liked this book. It was not at all what I thought it was going to be. I for sure thought based on the cover, based on the blurbs, and this just goes to show that sometimes, um, gosh, publishing is just such a fascinating industry. So I thought based on the blurb and the cover that this was going to be almost tongue-in-cheek like Standard Deviation or The Misfortune of Marianne Palm or Where'd You Go Bernadette. Um, Instead, guys, this book is sad. (laughs) Like This book is really, really sad. The premise of the book is simple and I think very intriguing. This man has been giving his wife the silent treatment, only truly the silent treatment. Like he has not spoken to her in six months and you as the reader don't know why. And the wife really does not quite know why. And then in the opening chapter, and I think I warned everybody about this in the last episode where I talked about silent treatment. Um, but in the opening chapter, the wife attempts to commit suicide and the husband catches her and he calls the ambulance. He calls the paramedics. They take her to the hospital where she remains in a coma. So she's in a coma. Now this man who has been giving her the silent treatment for six months all of a sudden has to begin talking to her, right? Because she's in a coma. And so the doctors and nurses really encourage him to talk to her so that perhaps she will wake up. And like, almost like while you were sleeping. And maybe that, I don't know, between the blurbs and the cover and maybe my own fascination with while you were sleeping, maybe I just assumed this was going to kind of be a, be a snarky, funny, witty, dark comedy. It is not. It is, it's written by a British author. It feels very British in like, um, like About Time, that really great movie that I love. Uh, or One Day, that very sad book that some of you hate and some of you love. I think the silent treatment, you will either hate this book or you will love this book. It ju- it totally depends on what you're going for. But let me be clear. This is not the dark comedy I thought it was. This is a sad book about a marriage and a family and grief, loss, addiction, fidelity, I really did like it. I fell in love with these characters. You fall in love with Frank, who is sitting by his wife's side. You, the first few chapters, so he is talking aloud to his wife. And so you get the whole background of their love story, which I found to be really, um, really sweet without being too saccharine. I did, especially when I thought this book was going to be a dark comedy. I did spend a few chapters wondering where I was going, like where this book was taking me. It took me so many wonderfully bittersweet, sad, thoughtful places, but it was not funny. So I just, I just want to be clear. This is a really good book. Read it if you like sad books. And look, I do. I really do. Um, I do not shy away typically from sad things. Uh, even right now, (laughs) I do not. I really liked this one. I think it is original in that you get the husband's perspective and then ultimately you do get the wife's perspective again. It's just a really sweet, sad story about a family and grief and loss and recovery. Uh, So this is called The Silent Treatment by Abby Greaves. 
Okay. Last but not least, guys, is Not Like the Movies by Carrie Winfrey. I am brokenhearted that we had to cancel our reader retreat in March for so many reasons, <laughs> um, but not least of which is that I was finally going to meet Carrie Winfrey. And there are some authors that I just really want to meet because I think we might be friends. And Mary Laura Philpott was one of those, and Carrie Winfrey is another one, where I just feel like we would really bond over rom-coms and blandly handsome men and... I think we could talk about them for ages, and I really was looking forward to doing that, and I didn't get to. Maybe down the road we'll do a virtual thing, or maybe Carrie will come find us uh, later this year. Everything, I feel like, is kind of up in the air right now. So to comfort myself, I read my ARC of Not Like the Movies, which is her new book. If you forgot or you're not familiar, Carrie Winfrey wrote the really delightful rom-com Waiting for Tom Hanks. These are books very much made for the rom-com fan. So I, if you do not like light and fluffy books, then don't you don't need these books. <laughs> these books were not made for you. But if you love a rom-com trope, if you liked Set It Up, not only because it was delightfully acted with wonderful, outstanding chemistry, but also because it was filled with like rom-com Easter eggs, then Carrie Winfrey's books are for you. So I adored Waiting for Tom Hanks, thought it was delightful. I picked up Not Like the Movies, again, read it in one sitting. Guys, I promise I don't have a problem. It's... <laughs> It's that it's this month. It's the it's the utter bizarre month this has been. My the books I have read have just been ones that I could finish in one in one afternoon. It took me a second to get into not like the movies, and I want to be clear why. The main character in Waiting for Tom Hanks, her name is Annie. She reminds me a little bit more of myself, I think, than Chloe, who is the main character in not like the movies. Now, Chloe is a delightful side character in Waiting for Tom Hanks. So I think read Waiting for Tom Hanks first, and you've got time before Not Like the Movies comes out this summer. Then read Not Like the Movies because you're going to fall in love with Chloe and Nick in Waiting for Tom Hanks. They, they're these really great side characters, which every rom-com needs good side characters. Now they're the main characters in Not Like the Movies. Um, it took me a minute, again, just because I am more... I feel like I have a kinship with Annie in Waiting for Tom Hanks, whereas Chloe's a little bit different. I then, of course, ultimately fell in love with her, fell in love with her story. These are just really fun books. Also, kudos to Carrie Winfrey for teaching me the phrase yacht rock, which is, in fact, one of my favorite genres of music. There is a There are a lot of references to yacht rock in Not Like the Movies. I adored that. In fact, at a couple of points while reading the book, I was sitting outside by my pool. Very fun to say. Uh, I was sitting outside reading this book and a couple of Carrie Winfrey ref references, a couple of different songs specifically. And I like looked them up on Spotify and listened to them while reading, <laughs> reading this book. I just thought it was so fun. The lead in this book is his name's Nick. I think I was picturing almost a Nick from New Girl meets Luke Danes from Gilmore Girls. So what's not to love about that? And then Chloe definitely dresses to me in a similar vibe to Zoe Deschanel from New Girl. Um, I just, I am begging Hollywood, if you're listening, you're not. <laughs> but if you are, I think Carrie Winfrey's books lend themselves perfectly to the screen. And I I just think we didn't get quite what we wanted out of the sequel of To All the Boys I've Loved Before on Netflix. I feel like we all can say that. This is a safe space. And so I really am looking for more in the vein of the original To All the Boys I've Loved Before and set it up. Like, I feel like there's a void there and I feel like it could be filled by Carrie Winfrey's books. 
So Netflix executives, if you're listening to this, I just feel like you really got to got to contact Carrie Winfreak because these books I while I'm reading them I'm picturing the movie. They're so they're so descriptive and such great vibrant storytelling. I immediately can picture all these things happening. I can't wait. My friend Juliana, I think has cast Waiting for Tom Hanks. I can't wait for her to cast not like the movies probably uh, when this book comes out later this summer. So if you were wondering if Carrie Winfrey's next book would be as delightful as her others, yes, you can rest assured they are. Um, It was. So Most Likely by Sarah Watson, Our Stop by Laura Jane Williams, Weather by Jenny Offal, Joe and Lori by Margaret Stoll and Melissa De La Cruz, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, A Good Marriage by Kimberly McCrate, The Silent Treatment by Abby Greaves, and Not Like the Movies by Carrie Winfrey. Those are the books I read in March. They gave me a lot of joy and distraction and escape. And if that is what you're looking for, then I think any of those books would certainly fit the bill. This week, I'm reading Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. I adore her, and this is her new book coming out this summer. So far, so good. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, you can tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, you can support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, we are currently reading part three of Anna Karenina, and receive free shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are always so grateful for you, but we are especially grateful for you this week as we are navigating these unpredictable circumstances for our small business. I just cannot get over the outpouring we have received both in online orders and also just in encouragement. Thank you so much. We look forward to meeting back here next week.